Okay. Well, here we go. So uh, again, I'm Bridget. I'm a compulsive overeater uh, from Ohio in the USA. And um, I've never been to this particular meeting before. And I definitely have to come back because it just, even though it's a large group, it just feels very warm and welcoming and um, just feel real comfortable um, with the story that I'm about to tell you. It's not the first time um, I've shared my story. I have been continuously abstinent in this program since September 27th, 2020. Um, and that's pretty miraculous. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you, I'm not gonna share weight numbers, but I will share that I have been a hundred pounds overweight um, I've gained and lost the same 100 pounds many times. And for the past uh, couple of years in program, I've been a healthy body weight and I've been the same weight. I haven't had to, you know, go out and, you know, switch from different size clothing. You know, it's just been stable and free from food obsession. Um, and I do know that weight loss in and of itself is not recovery, but it is what brought me to OA because I, I needed to lose weight um, and I couldn't stop eating. And, um, I have, I had a, I had wonderful parents, wonderful childhood. Um, my father was a college professor. My mother was an attorney. They were, you know, successful, well-educated, uh, two younger brothers. I always, you know, felt like I was loved. So why did I become a compulsive overeater? I, I don't know. Um, you know, they say the reasons for the illness are unimportant. Um, I do know that even as a kid, I just, I just learned very early on that I liked the way food made me feel. Um, and I just remember, I never felt like I could quite get enough of it. Um, my parents, I suspect were both compulsive overeaters. They're, they're both deceased now. And, um, that was just kind of how we all, you know, bonded over food and food was how we showed love. I do remember a packaged food that we used to have. It was a side dish. I don't want to mention specific foods because I wasn't sure about the the group conscience. I don't want to trigger anybody, but this side dish said it served four. And I remember um, being five years old. I was a pretty precocious kid and reading the, the, you know, the ingredients on the side and it said that it served four and we had five in our family. And I had this resentment as, as a five-year-old, like, why don't we get two boxes? Um, because there's five of us and this only serves four. And it said that a serving of this, this dish was a half cup. And I felt like I could eat the whole box. And I did go on to eat the whole box of this particular food um, as my disease progressed. I also remember stealing food, um, stole a whole can of an ingredient that's supposed to be a topping, a condiment. And I ate the whole can and uh, got in trouble for that. And as, as I, you know, grew up, I, I was a chubby kid and I got teased and bullied a lot for being, for being heavy. Um, and when I lamented to my mom about that, she said, that's just how the women in our family are. And, you know, she was overweight, but also very successful and loving and a wonderful person. So I thought, well, maybe that, maybe this is just, you know, what I'm supposed to be. She did impart to me that it was very important that I get good grades and, you know, be like, try to be like the smartest kid in the class. So all my life until I got into program, always felt like I had to be perfect at everything, at my job, at everything, especially to compensate for being um, overweight. Um, and in high school, I kind of kept my weight at bay um, by restricting during the week. I would eat diet bars and I would drink tab, which was a diet soda before diet Coke was invented. Um, 
And then on the weekends, I would, I would just, just binge, let myself eat whatever I wanted because any, any diet or plan I had always had to allow for some time of unbridled, unrestricted eating. Um, I, I never had a day of abstinence until I came into OA. I overate every day of, of my life until I came here. Um, when I went to college, my weight uh, ballooned up because there was a dining hall, which was like a buffet. You know, you could go and just eat as much as you wanted. And my friends were experimenting with drugs and alcohol. And I tried a little bit of that in college, but it, it just didn't do for me what food did. It didn't do the same thing for me as, you know, ordering, you know, ordering a big, uh, you know, takeout meal and eating, eating the whole thing myself in my dorm room. Um, after college, I got pregnant. It was, it was not planned. And I felt a lot of shame about this, um, because I was not married. Um, and I had beautiful daughter, she's going to be 37 next week. Um, and I, I just felt like damaged goods because I was, you know, this very hev heavy single mom. And this so I married. Reminder, Heather. Is that, that's five. Okay, thank you. So I married the first man who showed any interest in me. Um, it was an abusive marriage, both emotionally and physically. Um, my, the good thing that came out of it was that my son was born in 1989. Um, and my, my husband was very obsessed with my weight. He sent me to commercial weight loss programs. Um, of course, we didn't really have money for me to be going to commercial weight loss programs. And I didn't lose weight on them because I was always, you know, sneaking around and eating other stuff and saying I didn't know why it wasn't working. So, I, you know, I lied about food a lot. I became a nurse in 1991. Um, I'm still a nurse. I still work full time. It's a very rewarding profession. But I also used that as um, a means to eat without um, my husband at the time who was, like I said, very obsessed with my weight. And the more he would tell me not to eat, the more I just wanted to eat. Um, so I used that job as an opportunity to eat. I would eat in the car on the way to work. I'd eat at work and eat on the way home. So by 1994, I was almost 30 years old and uh, I qualified for gastric bypass and I had my first bariatric surgery at that time. I wanna give a disclaimer that I am not anti-bariatric surgery. I'm just sharing my experience. So it might be the right answer for some people, um, but it didn't do anything to arrest my illness. Um, and so I lost about a hundred pounds pretty, pretty rapidly, which was how much I needed to lose. But then as soon as I got there, I just started gaining it back. I couldn't, I couldn't sustain it. Um, so I kind of in, like lost a hundred pounds and gained it back like in a year and a half. Um, my husband was very disgusted with me and he was the first one who ever mentioned the existence of Overeaters Anonymous to me. And he said it in kind of a mean way, like, oh God, you know, you, you should go to Overeaters Anonymous. And I, I thought he was making a joke, you know, and I asked him, is like, is that a thing? And he said, yeah, yeah, there's a girl at my work and, you know, she went to Overeaters Anonymous and now she's thin and she looks great. And I, I wanted to look great. I wanted them to be nice to me. I, you know, wanted to be thin. So I went to the meeting in 1995 or so, um, but I think I, I, it didn't, I was, I had a chip on my shoulder when I went in because he was the one who told me to go to Overeaters Anonymous. So I went to the one meeting and never went back. And I didn't even think about OA for many, many years, actually till 2020. Um, I divorced him in 1998. And you would have thought, I remember thinking, well, the reason, you know, that I'm so heavy now and is, is because, is because I'm in this abusive marriage. Well, even it, he wasn't the problem. I had a problem with food long before I met him. Um, and I still had a problem with food, even after I you know, got out of that marriage. 
Um, and I tried to fix my problem on my own and I couldn't. And by 2008, I started developing problems with um, my left knee because of my weight. And um, I had a surgeon, an orthopedic surgeon, tell me I was going to need to have a total knee replacement if I didn't lose a lot of weight. And he suggested bariatric surgery. And I explained to him that I had already had bariatric surgery in 1994. And he said, well, there's this new surgery and it's even better. And it's called a lap band. And they put this band around your stomach. And it somehow, you know, I'd stretched my stomach out from the gastric bypass. And uh, so I, I had the lap band. I paid $16,000 to have a lap band placed. And I did lose weight with the lap band, but I couldn't keep it off. I ended up having to go back to the same uh, bariatric surgeon who had done the lap band uh, to get diet pills. Fast forward to 2019, I ended up having to have uh, my, my left knee replaced anyway. And that was a very brutal surgery. Uh, don't, <laughs> don't hope to ever repeat that again. Um, but in 2020, things got even worse. I was working in healthcare. So, you know, we had, we had COVID and we had to deal with all that. And in May of 2020, in the middle of all this COVID stuff, I started developing complications with my, um, my lap band and I had to have it surgically removed. Incidentally, I had to pay $5,000 to have the lap band removed. And what was even worse is I had no restriction anymore. So, I mean, the lap band was kind of slowing down my compulsive overeating. I, I just ate a lot of little meals all day long. I was just always eating something like I could never get enough. And then that band was off and then I could suddenly eat big quantities of food. Um, and my weight soared. And in September of 2020, I started having problems with my right knee. So that was my good knee. I had the left knee replaced in 2019, started having problems with the good knee. And um, this was what brought me to OA though. So I went to the, the doctor, the same orthopedic doctor, and uh, he gave me a cortisone shot in my right knee. And he said, you know, you really need to lose weight. Like, like it was just no big thing. And I remember driving home and crying like all my life <laughs> trying to lose weight. I've, I've been dealing reminder, with Heather. Thank you very much. Um, you know, all my life I've been trying to lose weight. Um, but it was the desperation um, that brought me to OA. So it was on a Sunday afternoon, September 27th, 2020. Um, I was in this same room where I'm talking to you today in my office. And I actually was like laying on the ground and crying and saying, God, what, what should I do? I can't, I have to lose weight. I can't stop eating. I will do anything. Just tell me what to do. I will do it. And he spoke to me, you know, it was like, it wasn't like this big audible voice, but like that still small voice, you know? Um, and he said, you should, you should go to Overeaters Anonymous. And it was like, wow, <laughs> I, you know, I haven't, I haven't thought about Overeaters Anonymous. And so I went to my first meeting um, which is also, you know, September 27, 2020, my abstinence date. And there was a man on the meeting who said he had been abstinent for 12 years. And um, I cried through the whole meeting. And uh, I, I just, I just did whatever they said to do. Um, that, that phrase that people use struck abstinent, that that's what happened to me. I know that's not everyone's experience. There's times I feel guilty that it happened like that for me, but I know I'm one compulsive fight away from a relapse. So um, it, it's just, that's, that's what happened. Um, God keeps me abstinent, but I have to continue to surrender every day. Um, I started a food plan that day. Um, I got, someone sent me like a copy of you know, screenshots of the dignity of choice. And so I just picked a food plan and I wrote it down. And at first I wasn't going to get a sponsor. 
I thought I didn't want to bother anybody. I'm really busy. I work full time. I can just do this myself. I'm smart. Um, and I, it was really hard. It was really hard um, to do it without a, a sponsor. And the first 30 days in particular of abstinence were hard. Felt like having a tooth pulled with no Novocaine because I had used food all my life. Um, and it got easier, though, after I worked the steps. Working the steps are what enabled me to stay abstinent. Um, and I still have the same sponsor today. Um, so and I, I worked the steps with some urgency. I did all 12 steps in about um, in about six months. Um, we used the OA literature and workbooks, and we also used the AA big book. And um, so for step one, I, I feel like I took step one on, on September 27th, that day that I laid on the floor and said, I can't stop eating. I'll do, I'll do anything. Um, and so I, I started to write down my food every day that day. And then once I got a sponsor, I started sending her my food every day. And I still do. Um, I'm a person who weighs and measures. And I share that not to say that everybody needs to weigh and measure, but you know, it helped me when I was a newcomer and I would hear what different people did. That's what I do. It's working. I don't want to do any more research. I don't want to mess with it. Um, I go to a newcomer's meeting every weekend because I'm still powerless over food. Um, and for step two, I, I always believed in a higher power that I called God, but I never believed that God uh, would take away my obsession with food. I used to pray to be thin, <laughs> but still be able to overeat. Um, and that, that didn't happen. Um, step three, I, I have to take step three every day. I turn over my will in an intentional way every day, um, no matter what, no matter what's going on. Um, I use the prayer in the big book, um, the, the third step prayer, in, that's as it's written in the big book. I, I like the idea that I'm saying it in solidarity with people in 12-step programs all over the world. Um, and I have to turn over not just my food, but my thinking and my actions every day throughout the day. Um, the step four inventory was very powerful. Um, and I really developed food neutrality um, after I did that inventory. I let go of a lot of shame. I forgave my ex-husband. Um, and when I did step five, I did it with my sponsor. And I, I told that woman things that I've never told another living soul, you know, things that my husband doesn't, doesn't even know. Um, for steps six and seven, um, an analogy I, I have about how I work step six and seven is I thought about um, going to the dentist. So, I, you know, when I go to the dentist, like if I've got a diseased tooth, I, I don't have to remove the tooth. The dentist, you know, removes the tooth. I just have to get out of the dentist's way and let the dentist remove it. And I was very relieved that I didn't have to remove my shortcomings myself. Um, I noticed the step doesn't say that God removes them all. It just says we humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. And then in God's time, you know, some of the shortcomings get removed. I know that I'm changing and making progress because my adult children have told me that I'm, I'm chill now. Mom, you're so chill. And five minutes. You, <laughs> thank you so much. And if you had met me before, you would not say, <laughs> you would not describe me as chill. Um, for steps eight and nine, they were also very powerful, especially when I made amends uh, to my adult children. It improved all my relationships. I made amends to my parents. The biggest thing was making living amends to myself for all the harm that I had done to my body. Um, step 10, I practiced daily. I do a written daily inventory. I tried doing it in my head and it wasn't as effective. I felt like resentments, you know, build up. There's something about 
an inventory is something that you write down. You put pen to paper. You don't try to keep track of it in your head. So I daily do that. Um, step 11 is um, what's changed. I always, you know, talk to God. I've changed the way I talk to God now. Um, I also have a meditation practice, which is something I didn't do before because I, you know, I talk too much. I'm not a good listener. Those are some of my character defects. Um, and so I found meditation to be really powerful. And a lot of times that's how my higher power talks to me. Um, I pray to God throughout the day. And my most common prayer throughout the day is God, what do you want me to do? Um, you know, I pause when I, when I don't know what to do. I just, I just say, what do you want me to do? And, and he always gives me the next uh, right thought or action. Um, step 12, I feel that every day that I'm abstinent and that I'm carrying the message, um, every day that I can say in a meeting, yes, yes, I'm still abstinent, that's carrying the message. So that's why, you know, I, know, I hear people say they don't count days. I count every day. I think today is like 1,212 or something like that. I've got an app because um, every day that I'm abstinent is a miracle. Um, I sponsor a lot of people. And part of the reason I sponsor is because the big book says that the way to guarantee immunity, immunity against alcohol, and it works the same way with food because these steps have worked just as well with food, um, is by working with other intensive work with other alcoholics. So I, I uh, sponsor a number of folks and I am sponsored and I don't ever want to stop doing that. I do a lot of service in meetings and um, I make time for my program and it takes, it takes a lot of time, but um, it's not as much time as I used to spend pursuing my disease. Um, I remember I got a little squirrely when I was coming up on three years uh, of abstinence. Like, like, I can't believe that I'm still abstinent and I haven't, you know, relapsed. And someone told me that relapse was not a requirement. And that was really powerful to me. And they also pointed out that the big book is full of people who stopped drinking and they never had a drink after that. I think Bill W's story, he has not had a drink since, you know. Um, so why couldn't it be that way for food? I, I don't have to go back to my old way of life. I don't have to go back to always thinking about diets, um, always thinking about how am I going to fix this problem, um, always thinking about where I'm going to get my next food fix. Um, and I will close by saying that, you know, if God took me up on that request um, that I had made many times, like, let me eat whatever I want and, and still be thin. If God said, okay, Bridget, fine, you, you can go back to eating the way you used to eat, but you'll stay this nice, you know, healthy body weight. I, I wouldn't want to do it. I, I just, I just, I just don't want to go back to that. I, 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 this life, this 12 step way of life is so much better and so much, uh, so much a better way to live. Thank you for listening.